But first the story. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So man, maybe it was about seven or eight months after I had been, after my church kicked me out of membership, right? I had this conversation with this guy and it was so helpful. Best conversation I've ever had in my freaking life. Um, it literally changed the trajectory of, of my healing journey. Okay. Anyway, so I had this conversation with this guy um, I met off of Instagram and we had messages back and forth. And then we started talking on the phone. And um, one day he just like stopped in the middle of this conversation we were having. And he said, Hey, Uche, I, I, I just want to make sure that you don't, you're not hoping for your leadership of your church or your elders or your pastors to come forward to take accountability for their actions or to apologize for what they put you through. And I was a little taken aback by the comment. I was like, wait, I didn't really know how to answer. He's like, yeah, I just don't want you to hope in that because I've been waiting for five years and that's never happened. So he was like, so I just want to make sure you're not hoping for them to, um, to take accountability. And at the time I talked to him, I was like, oh no, no, of course not. (laughs) No, of course I'm not. I'm not, um, I'm not hoping for that. No, they're awful. Right. But got to tell you my stomach, like kind of my heart kind of drops a little bit in my stomach because there is a small part of me that was hoping that really thought that one of these days, someone from my church was going to say, Oh my gosh, they treated you so poorly. They should not have done that. They were so wrong. And I understand how that hurt you. Just one member of leadership to say that to me, I was hoping for it. And it was, and to this day, even knowing people who know my story, have seen my YouTube channel and, and heard all this stuff, not one person, not one person in the last year and a half has said that to me. Um, and of course, you can watch my story later or whatever, but no one has ever said, yeah, man, they've really, you know, did something wrong. No. And man, I am so glad <laughs> that a guy, ha- like he, he was a true friend. He really cared about me to tell me that because when he said that and I realized that little hope was there, but I was like, crap, I really got to kill that hope. And I've got to learn how to move forward without closure. And a year and a half later, I, I could not imagine still holding out hope. And I know there are a lot of people who are still holding out hope and with who these people are. No, we need to stop. We need to murder that hope. And so here's what helped me murder that hope. Yeah. Is that supposed to impress me? No, not going to happen. He has hurt me too much and too often, and I am in a healthy relationship now. So I'm not going to flaunt it. I'm not going to hurt him. But that door is closed. What are we doing? Is this door out? Hello, I'm Uche. Welcome back to my channel and my Lessons from a Predatory Church series. And this series is all about religious trauma and spiritual abuse how to heal from it, how to identify it, how to protect yourself and your loved ones from this. Um, I just want this to help people with that journey. Okay. So, um, and so for this episode, for this particular episode, I'm going to be talking about something that is really difficult, really, it's really hard, but it's a big part, a big problem within uh, dealing with spiritual abuse. Um, 
And that is healing without closure. And my closure, I just mean like, you know, people meet face to face and try to come to understanding like, hey, I hurt you. I understand that what I did was wrong. And you come to this understanding and you're like, okay, you can make sense of kind of try to make sense of the dynamic of the relationship and how it ended the way it did. Unfortunately, if you're dealing with a predatory church or a person with narcissistic personality disorder or another toxic personality, you will never get that closure. You just won't. Unfortunately, if this is your first time to my channel or listening to my podcast, first of all, welcome. huh? And um, thank you for being here. But also um, when I'm talking about predatory church, whenever I'm whenever you hear me say those words, I am talking about a predatory church is a church with narcissistic personality disorder, especially within the culture of the leadership of that institution. So this means that the leadership of a predatory church, they are, they are unwilling to take accountability for specific harms that they commit. They lack empathy. There is rampant, hella rampant hypocrisy within that institution. And, um, they are, un they are unable to accept criticism, okay? And this is the most important one, last but not least, for the leadership of a predatory church. The ends always justify the means, especially, especially in the case of protecting the leadership of a toxic church or protecting the reputation, the fake-ass reputation of that toxic, abusive institution, okay? So that's what I mean by a predatory church, and you'll also see that what I also mean by predatory church is that they're predators, which means they usually target the most amazing, awesome, empathetic, wonderful people. So it's not actually an accident you ended up on this Chanel or in this position because you were targeted. To this day, I can tell anyone that some of the best people I've ever met, ever met, were members of my church. And this is why. Okay, so if you're ever feeling bad, remember this. And I'll say a predatory church does not choose losers. Narcissists don't choose losers. They want fantastic people that can make that make them look good or they can benefit from in some way. So you were deliberately chosen for all the good in you and all the beauty that is in you. Unfortunately, narcissists are also jealous people. And the reasons they chose you are the same reasons they resent you for later. They hate that you have beautiful qualities or have lived a good life before them or anything that they don't have and will never have. That is partly why you feel like they hate you and resent you. They can't stand to see anyone have more than them. That's from Maria Consiglio. This woman is all wise. And you can follow her at Understanding the Narc um, on Instagram. We'll get into that later, though. <laughs> okay. So let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, um, if you look it up, lack of closure is also something that's very common in narcissistically abusive relationships. Yeah, very common, right? And honestly, here's the thing. A lot of the leaders of these toxic institutions, toxic churches, toxic camps, looking at you, can of cook. Oh, God, they're so gross. A lot of these places, they actually they have narcissistic individuals and toxic people who rise in the ranks of leadership. 
And they only want these positions in leadership because it gives them clout, it gives them power, and it gives them a good cover to continue abusing people and getting their kicks out of hurting people without without facing accountability to those for those actions. Okay. And so that's really important. <laughs> that's a really important thing to know is that this is not, um, is that there's a reason why a lot of institutions are abusing people like this. It's because a lot of the leaders are super toxic. But anyway, so we're not talking about them this time. We're going to be talking about how to heal without a monster's close, like without closure. Okay. And, um, I don't. Oh, yeah. I also I don't want to ever overstate this advice that I'm giving. This worked for me. And from what I've read, from what I've seen, it's actually really helpful for other people. So I'm just going to break it down in its simplest terms. However, I know that the abuse that I suffered was mainly emotional abuse, emotional abuse in the form of racism and other other things. But this is but like I know that there was not there's not a physical component. And there's not a, like a sexual component. So I understand that this advice can only go so far. And so I'm not going to be comparing my journey and my, and my journey and my success with my journey to anyone else. Because there's a deeper healing when those physical um, other levels get in. So I just want to make that very clear. But hopefully, my gosh, I really hope that this does help. Okay? I really do. Um, so we're going to move into it. Um, okay, so I... If you've watched this, watched any of these episodes before, um, I usually talk about Dr. Romney Dervasula. She is a licensed clinical psychologist and especially specializes in narcissistic abuse, narcissistic and narcissistic personality disorder, basically helping people get out of toxic relationships. And she does a really good job of explaining our human need for closure. The really problematic part of this is many people will waste, will waste years of their lives waiting for that closure. If they just give me that last conversation, if they give me that last thing I need, I will be okay. Then I can let this go. The problem is they're not going to give it to you. So are you willing to give up your life waiting for this to happen? over and over again on our Instagram lives, on our YouTube lives, and the emails I get, even with my own clients, I hear people years out will say, this person is still in my head. And part of that is that waiting for closure. All of us want to hear at the end of a relationship, even when it doesn't work out, you were great. You really touched my life in a deep way. And even though this didn't work out, I'm really glad I met you. Even if you miss them, that gives you closure. You're not going to get that from a narcissist. If you're no longer a convenience, if you're no longer supply, and if you're no longer making them look good, they are going to say goodbye and put you out like yesterday's trash bag. They don't define your reality. Closure is something you can create for yourself. Okay, so man, I've talked a lot. Now let's get into let's get into how to achieve that that heal start start healing without closure. Okay. Um, let me see. Here it is. So I asked myself a couple questions and this really dwelling on this helps you achieve closure. So where we're going to get you is focusing less on them and their actions and back onto you and what you can do and what's better for you, what helps you, what serves you. Okay. All right. 
And so the first question that I asked myself, the first two questions that I asked myself go together, okay? And it is, um, what does justice or accountability look like to you? And go into as much detail as possible for yourself. Write this down or talk to yourself, whatever you need to do and say, for me, it was public apology, a public apology specifically to me for how they treated me, isolating me from my CG, not teaching about racial prejudice, putting me in a position to where I, the only choice I had was to call them out and, you know, just everything. I want you know, public apology and um, firing every single member of the leadership and replacing them with people who are trauma informed and not don't have anything to gain monetarily or whatever. Um, so, yeah, just be as, as extreme, not what you think that they think that will be, you know, what's doable for them or what's no. What do you want? What do you want for justice and accountability? That's it. OK. Um, then the second question, the second question I had for myself was. Um, what changes are necessary for you to recommend that religious institution or church or camp or whatever to a stranger, what changes would they need to make for you to recommend that to a stranger? You know, for me, it was putting in a curriculum about pending from racial prejudice or whatever. And for Canica camp survivors, they're like, we, you need to have a third party independent, you know, um, um, hotline for people who need to report abuse. You know, so like, what is it so that you can recommend this to a stranger? Okay, that's the second question. Be as specific as you want. This is about you, all about you. Nothing about what they're willing to do, what you think can make happen. What do you need? And that's a, and honestly, that's the big part of this whole closure process. You know, when you're seeking closure, you're looking out of yourself. You're looking to someone else. And that person happens to be a monster. And that, that institution have to be, happens to be evil. You are looking to some, something outside of yourself to help you. Like so, looking to people outside of yourself. Honey, I, if you're not a Christian, I get it. That's fine. There's a Proverbs in the, the proverb in the Bible that says, like, don't put your hope into like, don't, you know, put confidence or faith into leaders and rulers. You don't do it. There is no hope for you there. And let me say, there is no hope for you there. You won't find what you're looking for there. <laughs> Especially if your church has those qualities and has narcissists in leadership. The pride is off the charts. You just need one. No. In the higher print leadership, they won't do that. So, yes. I think what these questions did was focus them back on yourself. Focus them on, on you, what you want. What you require. And these two questions is something super sexy for me. And they're going to also do something super sexy for you, too. Yes, they will. Super sexy and healy and stuff. What they do is this was my first boundary with my church. I realized. I realized pretty quickly during this journey that I had zero boundaries with the leaders of my church and um, with, you know, zero boundaries or standards. For the leadership of my church going into it. They had standards for me, but I had none for them. And honestly, I think that's where a lot of people are. Um, for and especially the black people at my church at Watermark, they have no standard. So whenever there are no boundaries, so when they're offered something, even if it's not 
what they need or what's necessary. They're like, oh, it's something. It's okay. This progress. Oh, yeah. But no, for me, uh, now that I know what's necessary for my healing, what's necessary to, you know, honestly weed out the narcissist and the toxic people in leadership. Now that I know that's what I want, they they found out the hard way. They, they can't just offer me bullshit. I won't take it because it's like this is bullshit. I can see that it's and I ask for a cupcake, you know, <laughs> so it helps you form a boundary um, because ultimately someone is going to come along, either if it's member, a member of the church or, you know, someone who uh, likes the institution or someone, even a leader of the church or whatever, they'll come, they'll, they might come to you and say, Hey, like, why don't you reconcile? Like, look, they're doing something. Look at this progress. Look, and you can look at your standard for healing and your standard for, you know, standard for inviting a stranger to that church and feeling safe with them being there and know that, no, this is not some, this is, this is not what's necessary. This is nothing. You say it's something, it's nothing. And understand me when I say this, like if you're, if you're, um, if you're bleeding, right. And you need a bandaid and you're like, Hey, get me a bandaid. And the person runs off and they come back and they bring a toothbrush. Yeah. They brought you something, but it's not what you asked for. And it's not what's necessary. So someone offering something that's not necessary or what you ask for is actually them offering you nothing and hoping that you believe it's something. It's a form of gaslighting. <laughs> and you need to have that boundary for yourself and that set that standard for yourself um, because old, because it will happen. And someone will try to push that boundary if you don't have it and they'll run right over it <laughs> if you don't. So that's important. So that was my first boundary I set. And I hopefully that's your first boundary you set. And it helps protect you from the bullshit and you're being sucked back into a very abusive situation because these standards are about you, all about you. And it's so freaking sexy. It's so great. It has nothing to do with them or what they want. It's all about you. And um, we're going to keep that same energy. Okay. Okay. So with the, um, <laughs> sorry. And so let me see, let me find this. Okay. Bloop, bleep, bloop, bleep. Okay. Here it is. Okay. And so the last question, there's only three questions, okay? And the last question that um, I love, it's one of my faves, I asked myself was, okay, like if you receive justice and all the changes that you wanted at that abusive church or institution or camp, can't, <laughs> or camp, like literally don't send your children there. It's literally a trafficking ring because they don't do anything about child abuse. It's disgusting. You can see them on the little, what is it called? It's like, um, Dirty Dozen's um, list, so disgusting. I'm just like, Joe White, you're nasty. And looks like a monster too. Anyway, so um, let's see. Oh gosh, sorry, sorry. Like who puts children under NDAs? Like that's the kind of closure, like I wanna just, yeah. Anyways. Okay. I'm like, it's wrong. It's just, it's pure evil, pure evil, my dude, pure, pure evil. Oh, that makes me so mad. But anyways, um, sorry. Okay. So I said, if you received justice and received all the changes you wanted from that abusive church or institution or camp, would you let a loved one, someone you love dearly, 
start attending that church or institution without you being there, without you being there, without someone who's checking on them being there? Would you trust your loved one's heart, your loved one's spirit, your loved one's well-being in that trend, in, in that institution by themselves? Do you still call the changes you wanted, whatever, the justice you wanted? Would you trust would you trust that institution to take care of your loved one? And this question <laughs> taught me three things, three very important, sexy ass things, because my answer was hell no, hell no. I would never trust someone I love, trust the emotional and spiritual well-being of someone I loved with my church after this. Hell no. Okay. Even if all the changes and I got all that stuff that I wanted. Nope. This revealed to me three things. And if the answer is different from you, you can shut this off. It's not going to get prettier from now. <laughs> but if the answer is yes, then if your answer is yes, then that's great. Um, congratulations. That makes me really happy. Um, if your answer is no, you can keep listening. All right. Because it, it keeps going. Taught me three things. And those three things, the, those three things that I learned was first, if a hypothetical, beautiful future didn't calm my fear and anxiety about my past abuse, I might have PTSD. I might have, and honestly, since the abuse went on for, you know, emotional abuse went on for like years, I have complex PTSD. Um, it sucks. <laughs> um, I don't trust nobody. Yay. So, but no, it sucks. So you need to understand you might have that um, because yeah. And I'll actually do a video on PTSD on how like, I don't know, it, I broke it down in a way that I was like, oh, okay, it made sense. And I'll do that later. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that revealed that to me because my answer was hell no. And um, and then I also realized that um, the second thing it helped me realize is that betrayal is a huge, huge aspect of religious abuse and spiritual abuse, betrayal. And it's like, it's that mask, man. Either if it's your members or your leaders wore a mask for how long saying that they believed in this, this was important to them. They, they, you know, they valued God's word. They value, they love you, your family, that's mask. And that mask fell off. And what was underneath was just like the opposite of everything that they claim to be. And that's a huge betrayal. That's traumatic. To be like, oh my God, I can't trust your trust bone, whatever that is, that's gone. That's disintegrated because someone took your trust. And it was just like, oh, okay. Mm, oh, you know what? And then just like, just bam, 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 bam. Like literally just like, <laughs> I forget what movie that is. What movie was that? I'll find it. Oh no, Runaway Bride. Yeah. It's like, they just took your trust and just destroyed it. And that's what you're left with. Yeah. Betrayal. And that's hard to build back. So if you distrust people from after this, it is beyond understandable. Like it is beyond understandable. Let nobody shame you for that. Okay. You got to build that up. Okay. And, um, but yeah. And so, and the third thing that it taught me is a lot of people, so many people have no idea, have no idea what they're asking you to forgive. When they say, oh, forgive, reconcile, they have no clue what they're talking about. Feel free to ignore them. 
because a lot, I mean, what I've seen is that people who are asking me to forgive won't ever tell me what I'm forgiving. They won't even, I'm like, okay, cool. You want me to forgive? What exactly am I forgiving? Am I forgiving the, every single person who turned their back on my pain and, but maybe a couple of weeks before had told me that they loved me? Am I forgiving, what am I forgiving the racism, the casual racism, the lack of respect for my life? Every single time I was promised something and nothing came. Like, what am I forgiving? Like, exactly. And that was just emotional abuse, right? Um, how much more other things? Like, mo every moments of trauma, moments of memories that you're actually going through. It's not a lump sum. This is not, oh, forgiveness. It's not like a, a, a lump of coal. Okay, forgive. It's not in one thing. No, no. These are small things that are going to take time. So first of all, have grace for yourself and tell the person who's asking you to do something to shut the f up and stop asking you for something. And the second thing, oh, oh another question I like to ask these people who, who like to say, well, why don't you forgive? You should give advice. Like you should forgive. I'm like, have you spoken to my abuser? What did you ask them to do? Usually the answer is nothing. So I'm just like, okay, cool. Stay silent. Stay silent to me. Do not ask me for jack if you've never asked them for anything. They'll ask more from their from victims than they will the abusers. And, and mm, I don't like, I don't handle that very well. <laughs> yeah, so I get really mean about it actually. But anyway, so yeah. That, so that helped. So that's what helped me to start focusing on myself. Um, and you'll realize how much real estate. I mean, I hope I mean, I know this is going to help people. I already know it, it will. But I you'll realize that. Man, like. I've not you've not focused on yourself, your needs and your wants and your 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 hopes or whatever for a long time. And you get to do that. Um, and you get to practice doing that. And honestly, after you have this conversation with yourself, I pray and I mean, I hope that it's these conversations continue and you start to see the people who hurt you as someone who hurt you and stop looking to them to help you because they've already shown you they're not good at that part. They're not. Um, so, yeah, I hope this helps. I hope you get closure. And of course, there are other there's other books, there's podcasts, there's other um you know, articles and stuff that helps you, that can help you get closure. But I just hope this helps you give, get at least get a couple action steps in to reaching that. Okay. 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 And that was the last part. So yeah, I really, oh gosh, if you're going through this, dude, dude I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh man. I just want to, I wish I could punch people in the face that hurt you. Like, I, I hate that you're going through this, dude. I hate that you're going through this. This is so difficult. And the ruminating thoughts and just the hopelessness and just the wanting this to end, the, the, the pain and the, the sorrow to end. I get that, dude. Um, but there is a way forward without those horrible people. Okay. And just, yeah, but, but it's okay. You didn't know. You've never gone through this trauma before. Have some grace for yourself. Of course, you don't know how to deal with this. No one teaches this to us. When didn't you did not expect this to happen? But hopefully, this helps. Okay, I really do. And yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a good one. <laughs>